Well, hey, our, our series is called Circles. It's a relationship series. And we call it circles because a lot of our, our relationship circles overlap, right? Friendship circles, marriage, and, and children and all that. And our, did you ever hear of friendship circles, right? And so how, how do you know, how many know that especially the, the relationship we have with the Lord affects our other circles, right? Whether it's our friendship or our marriages or relationship with our kids. And we're going to be talking about parenting next year. Last, last Sunday was about dating. Y'all learned some things? <laughs> All right. Didn't you start dating this week? No, I'm kidding. Don't raise your hand. Anyway, how many here are married? All right. All right. Good. We're going to have an audience. That's good. Um, How many want to be married? (laughs) Two of you? Okay, good. Y'all find each other afterwards and go to Longhorn or something. There you go. Well, hey, uh, so today we're talking about marriage, and uh, I have a few things to say in a short amount of time, so I'm going to fly through some, some really important things that I want you to know. We could probably do a whole series of marriage, right? But no, we're just going to hit it this one Sunday, but I, I hope to just leave you with some really good concepts that will help you in your marriage or your future marriage, amen? So I have a disclaimer, is that okay? I actually have two disclaimers. My one disclaimer is this. Before I talk about how to love one another in, a, in, in marriage, we do not condone at Lifeway Church, we do not condone abusive relationships. So, so I just want, I'm, I'm very serious, like, like if you are being abused and you're afraid of being hurt or your kid's being hurt, I want you to run and I'm, we're going to help you get out and away from that relationship. All right? We don't condone that. So whatever you hear about putting your love on today, I'm not telling you to stay in an abusive relationship. Does that make sense? That's a disclaimer. We can love, but don't put yourself in harm's way. All right. Disclaimer number two is I don't have a perfect marriage. You all okay with that? Oh, okay. I didn't know if I could keep going or not because, you know, there's all this pressure. But now we we are celebrating, Alicia and I, 21 years of marital bliss in April. Amen. I sort of said a little bit of a lie because we are married for nearly 21 years, but it hasn't always been blissful. (laughs) Well, you know, at least on her part it was, but you know, anyway, I'm I'm teasing y'all. So, so we did hit, we did hit some rocky times and, um, and there was a few years and and maybe, maybe y'all can relate to there was a few years where we weren't sure if we were going to make it. And, um, you know, with, with the busyness of life and all we, we had, we had a few kids, Busy with careers, busy with our church at the time, busy with, um, uh, she was busy with homeschooling, and my career was taken off to the point, some of those years I was working 70, 80 hours a week, and, and that included weekends. It was just a really unhealthy time for all of us. And, and what happened is, is the busyness of everything, you know, piled in there, we were missing each other for like a year straight. And I was irritated with her, she was irritated with me, and... Um, Anyway, we're here by the grace of God, so we go, right? And, and God miraculously helped us save our marriage. But later on, we look back, we, we, we were asking each other, um, were you thinking, we never used the divorce word, but we were thinking it. We realized, I was thinking it, I never said it out loud. We didn't use it in arguments, thank you, Jesus. But she was thinking it, and I was thinking it, like, I think this is about as far as we go here. Because we just weren't getting along well at all. It seemed like our marriage had taken a back seat to everything else in life. Anybody relate to that? Y'all been through some stuff, amen? Well, anyway, what's happening? What's happening to marriages in our culture? It seems like marriages are always under attack. Have you all considered why this is? Maybe you'll, maybe you'll hear a little bit of why this is. I have, I have my opinions. There is a, there's still a stat in the United States that marriages are at, uh, I'm sorry, the divorce rate is still at 40 to 50%. Um, that's still true in the, 
the USA of today, excuse me, I'm going to drink some water this morning. So that doesn't really sound like the American dream, does it? However, what's going on? How, how about, how about a better stat? Do you want a better stat? Weekly church attendance or involvement in a faith-based community scientifically lowers your risk for divorce by 20 to 50%. How do you like that? That was put out by FamilyLife.com where they they were doing uh, polls with believers that are in a faith-based community. Here's another one they put out. It's an even better stat than that. When when they're polling people within a faith-based community, people that are involved in church like y'all are, 80% of all the marriages said they were actually happy. Isn't that amazing? And of course, that's a a specific poll with people that are really involved in a local faith-based community like you are here this morning. So it's not all doom and gloom, but but I'm telling you, what what is going on? Because I spend a lot of time with that 20% who's not so happy. (laughs) And so, so, you know, I, I went through a few weeks and I said, Jimmy, is anybody having an okay marriage? Oh my gosh. You know, but, but really because I can get a little jaded because I'm a pastor and I spend time with trying to get that 20% into the 80% category, right? Where they do have a, a solid marriage. And, and so, and so there's things going on that the enemy likes to attack. And, and, you know, how about you? you even if you're saying you are in that 80% today, isn't it true that you still want to know what to say to people who are struggling in their marriage? I know a lot of you want to help, but I've also gotten these questions like, what do I say, how do I pray, and what do I do? So don't tune out. And if you want to get into a healthy marriage, some of you are waiting for that one to come along that you're falling in love with and want to get married. Listen up. I think I have some things for you too, so I don't want any of you to check out. Amen. So I have have one main concept today that I really want to throw out, and then I have supporting ideas for this main concept. But I hope you leave here with one main idea today in the time that we have that I believe would give us at least a better marriage or we're well on our way to what I would call marital bliss because it can be experienced. And I believe that God wants us to have a healthy, solid marriage fruitful marriage. Amen. Are you ready for this mindset? This mindset is something like this. I'm going to call it a covenant mindset towards marriage. Somebody say covenant. And I think it's largely lacking in our culture. And so I'm going to throw out some supporting ideas about the covenant mindset and what that really looks like. Because a covenant marriage before God is full of God's kind of love, God's kind of grace, but it also includes sacrifice. And now it's going to get really quiet. The word sacrifice is not appealing. I know that. But that's how we are well on our way into a godly, spirit-filled marriage, as opposed to a contract marriage, which a lot of us can relate to. A contract marriage in our culture is, is, is a very cultural, earthy kind of love, but it's often conditional, and then it's inconsistent, and it's contingent upon... If you do this, then I do that. And it's, it's the opposite of covenant. Like we were, we're very familiar with contracts, especially in business. We, like, for example, when we were building this, this amazing building that we can meet in today, we actually held that last check 
a large sum of money from the church toward our builder until we did our final walkthrough and agreed that all the bases were covered and all the halls were painted and all the flooring was in place and the list, the list was pages and pages long of little stuff that they didn't yet do before we released that last check. And of course we released it, but it's contract-based. If you don't do this, you don't get this, Right? Or at least you're losing some of your money, <laughs> right? And so we're familiar with that mindset. It's all across the world. Well, it works well in business, but it doesn't work that great in a marriage. A marriage is supposed to be before God implemented with a covenant mindset. The world says love is a feeling, but God says love is a sacrificial commitment, otherwise known as a covenant. Come on, somebody. So where in the Bible is, is a marriage called a covenant? Uh, it's found in Malachi 2.14 for one place. It says, because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless. And he's chasing them down and, and, and calling them faithless because they weren't faithful. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And it's reflecting Genesis and it's picked up again in Ephesians where we read, Paul saying, as the scriptures say, and Paul's referring all the way back to Genesis, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Then he says it's a great mystery. Somebody say mystery. One which we're still trying to fully understand, amen? But he says it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Now, I want to read this in the Passion Translation. I'm just going to reread the same verse because I just think it's more poetic. But it actually gives me an even better idea of what God is looking for and his covenant mindset that we're chasing after today. For this reason, a man is to leave his father and mother and lovingly hold to his wife. Since the two have become joined as one flesh. Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty a great and sacred mystery meant to be a vivid example of Christ and his church. So every married man should be gracious to his wife just as he's gracious to himself, and every wife should be tenderly devoted to her husband. Now we're picking up on God's mindset about what a marriage should be. It's supposed to be a reflection of how he thinks and acts and has behaved himself toward his church. And I'm, I'm submitting to you today that that was a covenant relationship that he, that he uh, extended toward his church. Amen. And so if we're to be an example, so when people see your marriage, do they see Jesus? Yeah. Now, now you should be picking up, why does the devil hate my marriage? Yeah. Well, because you remind him of the Lord. You remind him of Jesus. And that's his enemy, right? And so when you, especially when you get married, it's a picture of Christ and his church. And that annoys the enemy. <laughs> he doesn't like that. He would rather you do something else with your life than sacrificially serve someone and love them till the day that you die. And so he's, he's out to kill, steal, and destroy that. Amen? But when, when God looks, when other people look at our marriage, does it reflect Christ and his church? Well, how about, how about we dive a little bit further in the time that we have to explore what covenant mindset God has toward us. Can we do that real quick? Jeremiah 31, 31 is one of my favorite places in scripture 
where it talks about covenant. And we're going to dive right to the new covenant. God made a covenant with Moses. God made a covenant with Abraham before that. God made a, uh, after that, God made a covenant with David. But we're going to jump right to what we call the new covenant. How many know we're new covenant people? Yeah. Amen. We're living under the new covenant. But it's described many, many years before that by Jeremiah and then picked up in Hebrews. But it says this, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke that covenant even though I was a husband to them. See his language? This is the covenant I'll make with the people of Israel at that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I'll write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. Just a fact. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Done. No longer will they teach their neighbors and, and say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. I'm going to make a way for all of them to know me, he's saying. For I will forgive their wickedness and I'll remember their sins no more. I'm going to blot out all their sins. This is what the Lord says. Now he goes on to solidify what he's saying. He says, he who appoints the sun to shine by day and decrees the moon and the stars to shine by night, he stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. And the Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these things stop. He said, only if these decrees pass away, if there's no more sun, moon, and stars, then I'll change my mind, is what he's saying. Well, he says, well, Israel ever cease to being a nation before me. So in other words, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to change my mind. This is my decree, and this is my covenant with you. This is what the Lord says, only if the heavens above can be measured. Have we done that yet? I know there's a, a massive Hubble telescope out there, but I don't think it's measured everything yet. He says, only if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below be searched out, will I reject all the descendants of Israel because of all that they've done, declares the Lord. Now, a covenant looks like that. I've decided who I'm going to be, and I'm going to extend it to my people. Amen. But by the way, if you read, if you read Romans 11, and matter of fact, a lot of places in the New Testament. But if you read John 3, 16, where it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, right? So, so we are then grafted in. If you read, we're grafted into this new covenant. Gentiles, many of you probably weren't born Jews. Maybe some of you were. But nevertheless, it was then extended under the new covenant to the entire universe, the entire world all peoples everywhere. Somebody say anybody, anywhere, right? Is allowed. Now, now what you need to know about God's covenant is this. It's not contingent upon your response. He made this covenant about you and for you before you were born, before you learned to repent, right? Before you learned to say, I do, I receive. He made this covenant towards you, and it wasn't contention about, uh, contingent on your response to him. Now, you won't experience it if you don't say yes. Yeah. Just like, the, just like the, the groom says, you know, I promise my life to you. She, she won't experience it unless she does the same. She won't experience a loving husband if she doesn't say I do as well. But nevertheless, he extends it and then he waits for our response. It is contingent upon your response to it. But God didn't wait for you to be in the right mood and to exemplify, exemplify, exemplify the right behavior before he said, I do. I extend myself to you. I love you. I'll forgive your sins. 
and I'll make a way for you to know me. Does that make sense? So you're catching a covenant mindset he decided to establish in spite of us. So, so it goes like him deciding who he's going to be ahead of time is a covenant mindset. Um, years ago, uh, before I was a pastor, I was a production manager for nearly 18 years. <clears throat> and, and when I was really, really new in this, my, my first gig as a production supervisor, um, they, they hired a really, really great consultant to uh, work with me. I was, I, was, I was very young, very green, and uh, his name was Charlie. He, I call him my manufacturing father. He taught me so much. And, and to this day, I'll, never, I'll just never forget some of the stuff that he taught me. And, and, and so he's taken a walk with me through the plant, through the manufacturing facility. I was overseeing like 60 people at the time, and we were growing rapidly. This is the season of life where our marriage wasn't so great. We was working around the clock. But anyway, Charlie, Charlie came to help me, and he said, Vern, you have to decide how you're going to be. What, 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 what do you mean, how I'm going to be? You know, I need time to think about that. There's so many fires to put out, so many people with questions, so many machines to be worked on and schedules to be made. And my life. He's like, no, you're going to have to decide ahead of time before you step into that plan how you're going to conduct yourself as a supervisor, as a production manager. You decide ahead of time. I'm like, you're going to have to help me, Charlie. I don't know what I need. He says, how about this? How about every morning when you hit the plant, whether it's somewhere between 6 or 7 o'clock a.m., sometimes it's earlier, the first thing you do is you greet everyone that works for you. I don't care if it takes an hour or two hours. You make sure you say a bright, cheery, good morning and a hello. And I'm not a morning person. This is hard to begin with, right? <clears throat> I'm, an, I'm a morning person because I had to be, not because I, I enjoy late nights. That's, that's, I enjoy staying up till 1 o'clock. <laughs> But, uh, but, but I had to be a, a, a solid good morning person. And he said, and you ask them how their day is going, and you carry a notebook with you to say, what do you need and what can I do for you today? And that was hard for me because I had to say a bright and cheery good morning to Mr. Grumpy Pants, who didn't want to see me, to the lady who was a real, who was a real solid atheist, and I knew that, and didn't like me at all because she knew that I was a Jesus follower, and she would always look at me suspiciously, and I just would rather avoid her because I'm not in the mood for confrontation at six in the morning. Some of you have people like that in your workplaces and <clears throat> in your families. <laughs> but I had to decide who I was going to be before God, now Charlie didn't say that, but that's what I did. Before God, so help me God, this is who I am. Because of the nature of Christ in me, I decide in advance who I'm going to be. Right? Over time, I got, listen, 100% responses from all 60 people. I got them all to say good morning to me. That was an accomplishment. <laughs> Every single one of them. Now, some of them were still a little bit sour in the morning. You know, it's like, you know, I'll, I'll bring you a cup of coffee. I think you'll be fine. But honestly, the engagement changed because I decided who I was going to be. And, and whether they're grumpy, whether they're happy, whether they're fall, that's how I discovered. It was 6 in the morning when I discovered a gentleman crying at his machine. And his life was completely falling apart. And he, you know, his, his girlfriend at the time was pregnant. And he, he didn't know what to do. And, and it, was, it was because of that, what Charlie had told me to do, that I discovered him weeping at his machine. And I said, 
you, you know, it, let's make some decisions for Christ, and we can help you. Alicia and I helped help them, you know, uh, actually, actually get married, him and his girlfriend at the time, and it's, it's, it's a long story, but, but you decide in advance who you're going to be. Does that make sense? You and I need to make up our minds who we're going to be in God. Because of who I am in Christ, for example, I'm choosing to be kind and loving. And then I choose to be a servant. Because of who Christ is in me, I'm thoughtful toward others. And then I'm, I strive to be understanding because the word says live with one another in understanding. And I'm a prayer warrior not because of your attitude, but because of who Christ is in me. Amen. And then I strive to hear God and be an encourager to those around me and speak the truth and love and act graciously and long suffering. And by the grace of God, I'm a good listener and I choose to lead. And then I try to cultivate an atmosphere of peace and maybe unity. And I want to love well because of who I am in Christ. Not necessarily because I'm loved well by everyone around me, including my spouse. And this is where the, the contract mindset in you is rearing its little head and going, that doesn't make any sense. You want me to love well because of who I'm in Christ, even if I'm living with Mrs. Grouchy herself. Yes. <laughs> that is the covenant mindset. See, the world says, the world says, Find someone that'll make you happy. While God is saying, find someone that you want to serve the rest of your life. Find someone that you'll enjoy serving and sowing into. And while the world is saying, you're going to fall in love and live happily ever after. I hope that's the case. But that's, that's romance novels and that's fairy tales. They lived happily ever after when God is saying, you choose to love and then you live sacrificially ever after. I'm inviting you to get married. I think everyone's called to get married. No. <clears throat> let's, let's go after some anointed verses just for you to consider today. Matthew, Matthew 16, 25. I know it's talking about giving your life to the Lord and laying down your life for him. But uh, I want you just to consider this verse as you're thinking about your marriage. It says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that the way to a happy marriage, if you want to call it a blissful marriage, is through sacrifice and serving. It's not that it can't be found. We've got a whole world trying to go about it the wrong way. That's all. Amen. If you're hearing that God doesn't want you to be happy in your marriage, that's not what I'm saying at all. We just go about it completely with the wrong mindsets. Does that make sense, y'all? Galatians 5.13, use your freedom to serve one another. Yay. <laughs> let's, let's try Ephesians 5.21. How about this? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Somebody say submit. Take a deep breath. Whew. Don't look at each other right now. <clears throat> Just pray about it for a while. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ephesians 5.25. Come on, husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It's a covenant servitude mindset of submitting and laying down your life when you're not getting your way. It's okay. But also, it's, it's really about submitting one to another. All right. Y'all catching this? 
I have a few, I have a few calls to action today that I put together for y'all just for fun, but, but it's really to, to, I want you to walk away with just a few practical things that would help you to say, I'm walking toward a covenant mindset. I'm going to choose who I am in Christ, and then I'm just going to be that way because of who God is in me, and that, my friends, you're well on your way to really overhauling your marriage. Y'all ready for this? Number one, I dare you to ask him or her what would make you feel loved and cared for this week. I don't know, I don't know how you guys function, but I think this whole idea that my spouse will be able to read my mind is just a myth. I don't think it's true, unless you have some specific... Now, prophetically, sometimes the Holy Spirit can show you things, and that's wonderful. Sometimes Alicia will pick up on things and go, are you, are you okay? And I, and I pick up on things for her and my family because the Holy Spirit is living with us, living within us, and the Holy Spirit likes to talk to us about the ones that we love. But it's not reading minds. We're not that new age, all right? It doesn't work. So how about you do what, you, what you're supposed to do and ask him and ask her? What serves you? This week, Alicia said to me, and she was tuning in, she said, this is a busy week for you. She knew all the meetings that I had, and she knew that I had to message prep for today. She says, what can I do to serve you so that you get more time to, to message prep? And I was like, whoa, that's awesome. I, I, was, I was amazed at how tuned in she was to that and realized that we need to carve out some blocks of time where I'm, I need to be left alone. Amen. I felt loved by that. I felt loved by that, huh? Amen. <clears throat> Number two, y'all ready? Connect emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Y'all can read into the physically part if you want to. <clears throat> I'm trusting that you will. Okay, guys, guys, listen. Uh, uh, actually, actually, all of you listen. All three are important. Emotionally, spiritually, and physically. So guys, here's what I'd like you to think about. I want you to start with the spiritual. Maybe pray with her. Maybe pray for her. I want you to work on the emotional. Ask her how she's feeling. Maybe tell her how you're feeling. It's not going to kill you. And you might just get to the physical. Somebody say, yeah, God. Now, girls, women of the Lord, I want you to start with the spiritual. Pray for him. Maybe pray with him. Maybe do a devotional together. I want you to work on the physical. I'm doing stereotypes here. <laughs> Across the board, broad brush strokes. And then you might get to the emotional. You see, it's a little switched because men and women really are different. Women are like, I need the emotional to get to the physical. And men are like, I would like the physical before we get emotional. And it just, see, what happens in a covenant marriage is you're always trying to find your way toward each other. In a contract marriage, you're like, if you, then that. If that, then this. And that's why you'll miss each other almost all your life. If you're living in the same house, you can really miss each other for years and years and years. But if you're always trying to go toward the other person and find out what they need, you will get your needs met. Typically, <laughs> broad brush, <laughs> amen, shall we move on, number, number three, how much time we got, doing all right, okay, number three, if you had the perfect spouse, did I say if, 
Okay, if you had the perfect spouse, I want you to imagine what that would look like, him or her, what would that look like? Picture that person. Oh my gosh, they, they are so tuned in. They just act this way toward me with kindness. They just buy me things, whatever your love language is. They just are so flowery. They write me love notes all the time, yada, yada, yada. All that stuff. If you had the perfect spouse, then what would you do in response to that? How would, because I hear this all the time. It's like, if he would, then it would make me want to. And if she would do this and this and this, then I could be the man of God that I'm called to be. But because they don't, then I can't. So what I'm asking for you today, this is a tough one, guys. You can't even do this without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I promise you, you're going to need God's grace for this one. I want you to picture that you're the, and imagine that your spouse is perfect. And then I want you to respond anyway ahead of time. Just do that. So I pretend that Alicia is perfect and she's just taking care of me in every way under the sun. And that just makes me want to love her like crazy. Oh my gosh, I think I'm going to plan a cruise. <laughs> <clears throat> money, money. Then, <laughs> but do it anyway, ahead of time. That's what God did toward us, hoping to get a great response. And he has. Literally billions and billions and billions of people have already said yes to Jesus in our lifetime. I mean, in, in our lifetime, but in the, in the span of the world, many, many have responded. So some didn't yet, but it's ready. they're there. And some might respond today. You understand? So do it anyway. Do it ahead of time. You go first and pretend that they are already perfect. That's what, that's what God's mindset, covenant mindset, extends toward us. Does that make sense, y'all? Number four. Learn to do a task or show interest in something that is primarily in their world. Husbands, it's not going to kill you to learn to fold wash. <laughs> you want me to fold that? <clears throat> it's not going to kill you. Wives, it's not going to kill you to go to Cabela's with him or to sit through an entire football game. It actually doesn't. It's not going to kill you or to show interest in his world, or to show that you really care about something she does well, or to pick up something that she normally does. You know what I've learned to do? And I actually, this is fairly recent, because I've always had my honey-do list, and some of you have a long honey-do list, right? From your spouses, from your wives especially. Wives are really good at lists, it seems like, across the world. They're really good at list after list after list, and she is one of them, God bless her soul. I've actually learned not just to do my honey-do list because we have lists of things we try to accomplish, especially on Saturdays. It's our work day around the house. And then I glance at her list. And that's a really recent thing. And then I go, huh, I bet I could do that task. I'm awesome, I know. <clears throat> I can't even take credit for it. Somebody else told me to do it, and so I tried. So I submit that to you. You'll be amazed. She'll be like, what has happened to him? Anyway, you ready? <laughs> so find a way to show interest in something that is primarily in their world. Go toward them with something. Number five, if there's an area of weakness, frustration, or dysfunction in your spouse, could they learn to overcome it by your example? <gasps> Take a deep breath. 
If you, if you could just see all your faces, it's so fun up here. <clears throat> You're like, what? <laughs> Matthew 7, 3 to 5, I know this again, isn't talking about marriage, but most, most of the stuff applies. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye or your husband or wife's eye, right? When, and do not consider the plank in your own eye. And how can you say to your brother or your husband or wife, let me remove the speck from your eye, and then look, there's a plank in your own eye, Jesus says, you hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll clearly see to remove the speck from your spouse's eye. Can we say that? Check your marriage for hypocrisy. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. I wish that he would, I wish that she would, and I, I, I kid you not, this, is, this actually happened to us where, where she was meeting with us, Alicia and I, ranting, raving, and he was, he was quite the crazy husband. So that's okay. So that's okay. He, he, had his, he had his craziness going on. And then I said to her, and she would like him to be a man of God, right? Pray, follow the Lord. Who, who wouldn't? Who's, what, what spouse in here doesn't want their husband to follow Jesus, right? To be a man of God. And then I said to her, when you pray for him, what do you pray and she was stunned, and she said, I haven't prayed for him in years. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Meeting adjourned. Hypocrisy at its best, right? So if you don't, why should they? All right, number six, try transparency. This will cause you to be aware and just walk toward the other person. And this is what, this is what it means. I actually, I actually looked up, this is one of my favorite um, descriptions of what transparency means. If someone is transparent, it means that person cannot or does not hide or conceal anything. It means observers who want to know what this someone is up to, the observers are free to observe. A person who is transparent has no secrets and tells no lies. And I think that's a great way to function in a marriage. Now, outside your marriage, you choose carefully who you're transparent with. I understand that, right? I think we're a fairly transparent church, but still within reason, right? But within your marriage, I think transparency is a huge, huge key. Yes. And, it, and it really brings you into a solid, solid relationship where you're not trying to hide who you really are. Saying when you need help, you need help. When, when you're feeling something, you're feeling something. When you need prayer, you need prayer, and you're struggling with something. So battle the same enemy together, back to back, with your swords facing outward and not toward each other. Amen? But it takes transparency to go through that. Y'all with me? All right, stand with me. <clears throat> I actually, actually, in closing, I really, I really want, I was really thinking this week how uh, it's been a, an awesome joy in Lifeway Church to, to get some people married, to officiate weddings. I mean, the first year of Lifeway, I think I officiated four weddings and attended two others um, that I think Pastor Gary did some that year and, and, and Jimmy. But it was, it's amazing, isn't it? So, so there's, there's always this a little awkward moment where even in our culture, and I don't know if you know this, but all, most all cultures, that I, at least that I'm aware of, the, the man, the groom, says his vows first, right? He goes first. He takes that first risk. All right, the picture of Christ in his church, right? You getting it? Covenant mindset. He takes that risk. And I'll never forget this one wedding where as he was sweetly saying his vows and promising to love her forever through, you know, richer or poor and all this kind of stuff, she was getting emotional. And um, that's cute. It's very sweet. But then she couldn't talk. And I'm like, it's your turn to... 
say your vows and she wasn't ready for that she wasn't quite and there was this moment in there where I was like is she gonna run is she okay are you gonna make it and maybe she's having second thoughts and maybe she's ready to she heard the vows coming from her husband which were dear which were sweet all encompassing I will love you to the day that I die and she's going I was like oh my gosh she's not feeling the same way well, well, it wasn't true. She was feeling the same way. She was just so overcome with emotion that we had to gather ourselves for a bit before we, before we continued in the wedding. And that made it even more sweet. And everybody's actually applauding. And this is so fun. But then she got through her vows, through her tears. She said her vows as well. But, but that is one awkward moment, people. Now, now, the reason I'm sharing this with you is some of you have left God, your father, at the altar for years wondering about your response. Does that make sense? Because we won't experience marital bliss and we can't experience a covenant relationship with God if we don't say I do back to Him. You've given me everything. You promised to love me, never forsake me, never leave me, forgive all my sins. And we're like, uh-huh, yeah, about that. Huh. Let me think about it. <laughs> He said, he said something like this to us. He says, I, Father God, stand before you, my beloved, and offer you my life. Through my son, Jesus Christ, and what he accomplished on the cross, I've forgiven your sins, and I heal your diseases, and I offer you newness of life, and I offer you eternal life. I've placed my nature within you and declare that you're mine and that you belong to me. I've made a way for us to live as one in perfect unity through the Holy Spirit, which I've sent to you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. My love towards you is enduring. It's everlasting and it's never changing. And then he waits for our response at the altar of your heart. You ready to respond? Some of you are ready, some of you are like, wow, I've never actually responded to his vows, his covenant promises, which apply to me. I've never actually responded. Well, today's your day. Uh, I, what I, um, I've, I, I've asked, I've asked all of you to, to respond with me, whether you've said this before or not. Can we do that? Can we just do it all together? And then some of you will be for the first time and that's okay. Say, I, then state your name, Bernard Martin. Receive you, Father God, as my Father. I receive you, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and my Savior, and the way to the Father. I repent of all my sins. I receive your forgiveness for me. I choose to walk in newness of life. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and empower me to live in covenant relationship with God Almighty. I love you, Lord, because you first loved me. I choose to serve you and to follow you in this life and into eternity.
Amen.